How are we all doing? Put your hand up if you've had a fantastic week. Oh, it's about 20% of the population in church. Put your hand up, things like that. Uh, we, we do understand life does. Um, you know, my illustration I finished with last week, by the way, was about the exploding rabbits, you know, on the dogs on the dog track. True story. And, um, you know, the dogs are all ready to go, you know, and they kind of hook the hatch up. The rabbit goes off and the rabbit explodes. And um, it probably turns out to be one of those weeks, isn't it? You ever started a week thinking something's going to happen and it doesn't? Has that ever happened in life? You've got expectations. And, you know, the true story is, which I finished on last week, was some of the dogs crashed into the side hoarding. Some just fell asleep on the track. You know, uh, some just started howling. You know, in bottom line, it's simply what happens to us when we lose direction, when we lose focus, that actually we don't know what to do. So we either fall asleep through lethargy or, or lack of energy. We either go, we're just going to crash into somewhere dangerous because it's not the way to go in. Or we just start whinging or complaining. You know, you'll see that psychical effect in the Bible all the time when things direction. So the reason I say that, because I want to bring your focus in September. It's like a new year for us as church. You know, we're term time linked and, you know, our kids have gone back to school, uh, university, you know, freshers week this week. If you're a student, welcome uh, to Riverside. You know, you're checking us out for the first time. We are slightly weird. We know that. Uh, we're slightly crazy. We love life. We love fun. We love people. Uh, and, you know, and we just want you to get engaged with God in a real vibrant way, you know, but it's newness. And so what I do is I want to start the direction. I want to get your focus, guys, so when the, 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 the traps go up and you're off, you know what you're looking at. For us as a church, we have a vision. A vision is a compelling image of a preferred future. You know, I want you to get to look into your future and what compels you. you know, I want to do that by telling you the story of Warren. Warren is part of our evening congregation. We've planted a church over the last uh, year in Exmouth, you know, and it's brand new. You know, and, and we're just learning. Warren comes into the church. He's street attached. You know, so he lives in social housing. And you can see when you meet him you know, that, that he, he came into our, our service carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And when we get to know him, he starts talking about social anxiety, you know, and, and you can see that in his persona. But he enters into our service. He comes into what we're doing and suddenly the light of God, the light of Jesus starts to shine in him. And he starts to respond to going, this is not just an ordinary service. This is not just a church, what I expected. There is something. And he articulates to me, he said, there is life in this. He gives his life to Jesus and he starts growing that. And we baptized him, you know, and, and so when we baptized him, and we, you know, we did it inside on this one. It was a tank full of water. And he stands in front of everybody and says, I'm just going to say to you that I live for Jesus. Now, that's great until you've got social anxiety. Because, by the way, the one thing that sparks social anxiety is standing in front of people. That's one of the major things. And so he, he said, Aaron, I don't know how to do this. I said, well, we believe that God is able to transform you. you know, so this is what I'd like you to do, to make the statement, tell people about the social anxiety. You know, and he gets up. He just knocks it out of the park. If you met him and you didn't know what I've just said, you wouldn't know he had social anxiety. This life of God lives in him. You know, and now, just to let you know, in, in Exmouth, if you do know him, he's one of our greatest evangelists with the street-attached community that he goes around telling people about Jesus. You know, he has this light. And, and I look at him all the time, and he still tells me, Aaron, I've got social anxiety. 
But if that's what social anxiety is, I want some of what you've got. Because i tell you why. Because vision is a, a compelling image of a first view. It's warring. It's what Jesus is doing in him. Jesus has transformed. Jesus made the difference. And this message, and what we want to do to focus you, is to align yourself to say, this is, I know what this church is about. And it's very simple. It's a four-part plan that we've got. We want to see lost people saved. You know, when you look at Warren and he walks in in a lost place, Jesus came and died for him that he might have life. How many believe that? That's not bad in church. All right, come on. You know, I, I want that. You know, and, and so I want to get that inside of you. That's why Jesus came. If that's why Jesus came, that's why we come. That's why we are here to see lost people saved. But, you know, that's not the end of the story. We want to see saved people Pastored. You know, there is part of our lives, by the way. Warren came in. It wasn't a moment when he came into church that suddenly he became perfect in a day. Wouldn't that be great? I would love that as a pastor. Really, you know, in the moment you come to Jesus, all your problems fall away. Now, he's had to work through his journey because that's a journey of faith. So he got, he got lost and saved and then saved. We're pastoring him into freedom, you know, to find him. And then we don't just pastor people. We want to pastor disciple pastored people, you know, people who have been free in Christ. We want to grow them in Christ. Our strap line as a church is finding God following Jesus. You know, that's really clear for you and really simple. If you want to know what we're about and you're thinking about joining today, I want to say we are a church on a mission and we are a church to create disciples of Jesus Christ, followers. I don't just want you to come in and be a bum on a seat. I want you to follow Jesus because following Jesus is transformational in your life. You know, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. You know, we don't want a dull service. We want a dull life. We want full of the life of God and we want to see pastored people disciple. But I just don't want to get followers of Jesus. I want to get people who are sent out. And so I want to take disciple people. I want to send. You know, you've got a gift. You have a calling on your life. You have a skill set. And and Jesus said, I I have designed you from the onset to serve me and to worship me. And so what what the role of the church is, is for you to find that skill set and go, right, I'm going to release that to the world and to make a difference, isn't it? So in simple terms of that, I want you to know God, discover God for yourself. I want you to find freedom in Jesus Christ. I want you to discover your purpose and I want you to make a difference. And each week, I'm just going through step one, step two, step three, step four. So last week was step one, knowing God, creating the space for us to experience God in a radical way. Today, I want to position us and let's go find freedom in Jesus Christ. Are we okay with that? I know I rattled through that, uh, and I, I rattled through just to keep you on point every week, just to remind you, you know, just to remind you to go out. So if you've got your Bibles, pull it out of your pocket, pull it out of your phone, tablets, And turn to Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. The Bible really is um, an account where Jesus allows us to discover him, where God allows us to discover Jesus. And this is one of those stories where we can look at Jesus' life uh, and how he journeys us through on this process of, you know, in simple terms, when we come to Jesus, we find freedom. Starting from verse 17, one day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Another version that you've got might say, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Okay, so Jesus, he's got crowds around him. 
He's got the religious leaders who were sat on the walls ready to criticize them. We all know kind of that dissenting voice that we have in our life. And I just love this point. I just wanted to pause just half a second. It says, the power of the Lord was on Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord was there mightily, okay? When we're doing church, I want you to understand, if you're coming into this place, you're coming to Jesus, because where Jesus is, the power of God is there. The presence of God is there. Things happen when we come to Jesus. Whatever starts is, I just this morning want to get you to Jesus. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, I want to bring you to Jesus because the reason is because the power of God rests on Jesus Christ and that happens today. So my whole focus is let's get pushed through the crowd and get to Jesus. The presence of God, the Bible begins and ends with the presence of God. I don't know if you know that. The mission of man, our mission and the presence of God, they are inseparable. They are divinely connected. Your call on your life is connected to the presence of God. If you're running from the presence of God, you're running from your purpose. You're running from the call of God. And sometimes when we get into difficulties, we're trying to get away. And the more space we put on, the more frustrated we become. And so the goal is to bring the presence of God and your call together. The closer those two meet, the more fulfilled you'll be in life. I wanted to tell you that sin undermines your mission and your experience of God's presence. If you're doing something wrong and you know it, if there's a thought process, if there's an action or a habit or a hang-up that you're going on in your life, that pulls you from the presence of God. It pulls you from the call of God and it separates you. And that's your frustration. So today, I want to bring you to Jesus because the closer I can bring you to Jesus, the more you know he's calling on your life. God covenants to bring his presence back to his people. The story of the Bible is how people walked away, but God walked after. Jesus left heaven for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus closes the gap between you and him. The presence of God finds its greatest expression in the word Emmanuel. God with us. If you want to know the presence of God, you will find it in knowing Jesus. And the purpose of the church are divinely linked to the presence of God. So you should never be far from the presence of God. And this whole story is about how we as a community can draw closer to the presence of God. There was healing in that presence. What a great environment. I'd love you to come to church thinking there's going to be healing in the house of God this morning. Wouldn't that be a great expectation? You know, and already the room of prayer this morning was full of those prayers to bring healing to the house of God that you're coming in and God wants to make you whole. He wants to set you free. He wants to bring freedom into your life. Jesus was prepped up. He was ready to go full of the presence of the power of God. Drop back into the story and the reading if I can. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof, they took off some tiles, and they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. I, I kind of, they tried to bring their friend to Jesus. They tried, but there was roadblocks in the way. I, I don't know whether you're facing roadblocks in your journey towards Jesus. I don't know if you've got friends and family who are roadblocks. There's something just blocking their journey of how we get to Jesus. In the story, there's a roadblock of the crowd. You know, people get in the way. You know, there's the roadblock of carrying, carrying up the stairs. You know, if you're carrying someone up the stairs, and there's a roadblock off the roof. 
roof, you know. And so there's crowds, there's, there's stairs, and there's ceilings, there's walls where enveloping where Jesus is. And, I, and as I'm a pastor looking at what stops people come to Jesus, I thought I'd take a little bit of time to ask you that question and get you to chat with the person next to you. What roadblocks stop people getting to Jesus? And then I'm going to ask you your thoughts to see if you've got similar thoughts to me. Is that all right? So take a few minutes, play a little bit of music in the background if you can, uh, Russo. What stops people coming to Jesus, do you think? If you've got an absolute doozy, if one of your friends, colleagues, just said this is a really good roadblock, just pop your hand up and Gareth's going to go to you. Who would like to share? All right, okay, right at the back. Always starts at the furthest point from where the mic is, isn't that right? Get to Carol on your right there. Uh, we think unforgiveness, unforgiveness is a real biggie. Right, no long words. Gareth, keep walking around and then... I don't think it's some theological thing I can't understand. Humans making um, barriers between God. Humans? Yes. Other people. Have you ever found other people block? Yeah. Have you ever met a bad Christian? I mean, no one in church. Just keep it on the low down. <laughs> I know, does that... Uh, Yep, we've got them in our family. Sorry. Um, I said comfort because I feel like if people are really comfortable, they don't see a need um, for Jesus. Um, right. So I thought comfort was a big one. So your comfort zone, yes. Yeah, man, when God speaks, you feel sometimes a little bit uncomfortable. That's, that's for that reason, isn't it? Great. Yes, low self-esteem, not feeling good enough. Great. I think some people who have an idea choose not to follow it because they know it changes their life or would have to change their life and their style of living. Okay, so they know but they don't. Is that right? Pressures of work. Oh, work, sorry. Thanks, Donald. Yeah, maybe not understanding the way. Thanksgiving, praise, worship. There is a way how you can draw near to God and understanding that. Great. Access. Uh, fear of what people think of you. Yeah. Great. And last one. Um, sometimes I, then, I think some people have pride and it's, quite, it's, it's kind of like with the comfort thing you could say because it's like they, they think they don't need Jesus and maybe it's just too much of themselves and their own strength. Right. So there's, there's lots. We could keep going for quite a long time. Your ideas, valid could fill uh, that board, you know. But I just want us to realize if we are as a church trying to position ourselves to help people get to Jesus, we need to understand there are a lot of reasons why people would naturally uh, not do that. And, and so I just kind of want to put in the family those, the friends of these guys who carried this man to Jesus. Because um, I, I, my answer in simple terms as to what stops people getting to Jesus, and you're just going to look at me in shock, horror, and hate me for what I'm about to say, I think is you. Right? I'm also looking at myself, so I'm part of this process and the way that we look. Um, so imagine if, right... Um, those guys that day, you know, um, decided not to take him. Imagine if there was a reason why, you know, Jesus is in town and somebody's popped in. It's Capernaum where it's happened, by the way. So Peter's mother-in-law has been healed here. The centurion's servant, by the way, who wasn't even there in Capernaum. It was a message that was sent, that story. This has happened in Capernaum. So there's the, Jesus has walked into town and made an impact statement. And probably there's people going around, you know, Peter, you know, the fisherman, you know, when he falls out, Jesus. Yeah, his mother-in-law was sick. She couldn't cook the dinner. And Jesus kind of went and healed and transformed. I, I would suggest that they kind of, they didn't have Facebook in those days, but it's the equivalent of Facebook, you know, as neighbor to neighbor. And so there's 
going around. And, and imagine you've got a friend who's had some really bad news. Uh, no, it wasn't imagine that you've got a friend, by the way. I paused. It was a wrong pause. You, some of you introverts are going, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and things like that. But you, you imagine you've got a friend who is uh, in, in a place that's really tough. So, you know, they've been told by the doctor that they've got cancer. You know, you may have I've got a friend who's been involved in an accident, you know, and, and, and a limb or a back has been broken. You, you might imagine somebody who's got a debilitating mental health issue, you know, and we all have people that we're connected with. Uh, imagine, you know, if we hear one day that Jesus is in town, Jesus is able to transform your friend. And then the, the reason I say you can be the block to Jesus is imagine if we never said anything. Imagine if we said, oh, I'm working that day. Imagine if it's like, wow, I mean, oh, there's a crowd of people, you know, and, uh, you know, I just haven't got the time really. My wife wants me to wash the donkey, you know, and, um, you know, it's just, just, just imagine, you know, and, and actually you understand there, there was incredible amounts of reasons which we can present as to why we can't help our friend. Because one of our biggest things is when we look at those situations, we're like, I, I don't know whether I can help you. I, I, I wish I could fix your back. I, I wish I could tell this cancer to go. And it goes, but I, and we, we, we look at ourselves and think, I, I don't know, I can, I can be here, I can help you, I can encourage you. But I don't know where I've got. And, and the, the bottom line is this first principle wants to lie is that actually get beyond yourself and, and start to believe that there is one who can. You know, in, in relation to pastoral care, because we will end up today, I want to tell you this. One of the key things that I need to do as a pastor in order to help you to understand is Jesus is bigger than your problem that you're facing. If I can get you to focus on something bigger than actually the bigness of what you're facing, you realize there is breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I, I'm so glad that actually these guys who carried this guy understood that if they could get him to Jesus... There would be breakthrough. There would be freedom in his life. Let's pray. Uh, one of the things that um, I've noticed over quite a few years that um, I've been involved in church and ministry in that is um, there's, a, there's a, a through, some throwaway comments that people often make. One of the ones that I least like is, um, it's not my gift pastoral, I'm not a gift. I've actually heard it from pastors who said, I'm a leader, not a pastor. The reality of it is, if we are followers of Jesus, and we want to be like Jesus, and we strive to be like Jesus, we cannot help but love people and want to get alongside people and pastor people. It's a really, really important part of the church family. You know, the whole, um, the way that Jesus was, he always surrounded himself with other people. He never went to go it alone. The other thing I often hear is, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. It's absolutely right. You do not need to go to church to be a Christian. To be a Christian, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But what the church offers is a family and a support system. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do an illustration. So I need a volunteer, um, a brave volunteer. Well, it's not really, you just gotta lie down. So if you're feeling a bit, so if you're feeling like you're a bit bored or you know, a bit tired or you've had a weary week, if you don't, somebody doesn't volunteer, I'm gonna pick someone, so. <laughs> do I have a hand? Can I see a hand? Come on, people. Thank you, Mike, I see that hand. Right, Mike's just going to uh, lie down on this, this stretcher that I have. Um, for health and safety reasons, make sure your neck and head is on the stretcher. 
Okay, so, um, so, so Mike is a bit broken down here. He's on a stretcher, um, and he, he just needs to move to a, a place where he can get the help. The place he's going to get the help is Jesus Christ. Um, so, Mike, can you um, sort of pick yourself up off that stretcher and move yourself to hospital? No? No, not even going to give it a try? Okay, no, no. So, you see, Mike on his own is going to really struggle. So, he's got issues, and actually what he needs is some help. Now, I'm one of the pastors here, right? So, um, <clears throat> I'm going to attempt to lift Mike. <laughs> Bend my knees. Right. Okay, I could probably drag him like a few centimetres, um, not, not in any way, shape or form, um, having to go about your weight, Mike. That's just me. I can't do it. Um, so as a pastor, I need to have other people around me because that's the way that we work together. That's the way that Jesus worked. So um, we've got Ali here, one of my teams, Ali. Is Ali here? Ali, would you like to come join me? So Ali, um, we, we've got a system in the church that we've started recently, and part of the pastoral team um, oversee various groups. So Ali, she oversees my families with um, grown-up children still in the home. So, uh, so Ali, um, who else have we got? We've got... Um, Claire here? Claire's not here. Uh, Claire. Claire, are you here? Claire. Right, Claire's one of my team. So, so um, when we have some more challenging problems, problems that sometimes pastoral care alone can't help, they need a bit more counselling. Claire is a trained counsellor, so we have her on site as well, and, and she runs a counselling um, business from here. Um, and but she's able to bring a spiritual aspect as well. And so that's really, really important to us as a church. Um, so Angela, can I just, could you, Angela? Angela looks after our, our elderly people um, in the church. Um, Hannah, Hannah um, oversees the families of like the toddlers under fives. Um, Rosie, who's down with our kids at the minute, she oversees um, the other children, the children above fives and their families. Um, so who else have we got? Josh, Josh is youth, so I need a youthy type person. Matt, Matt, come on. Matt, you'll do. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, so Josh is our youth pastor, and he oversees the, the youth and that, um, and Matt is part of our team there. Um, Pat, yes, Pat is, where are we, Pat? Pat, if we can get Pat up here. So Pat um, oversees some of our, now how did we describe it? Um, families whose children have moved on and left home. <laughs> um, so that's the, the area that she's um, around for. Lynette is also here. Lynette's part of my team. She looks after our internationals. Um, um, so if you are in from a different country and you need to look for somebody, um, and you're not really sure, Lynette is the person that we have for you. Right, if I can get team up here, um, grab a corner or a side each. Okay, okay, bend your knees, health and safety please. Ready, ready, one, two, three, and lift. So, now I don't want to be too rude, but how, oops, it's a bit, bit, looking a bit wobbly there. Um, you can put them down now, that's okay. 
but, but, but stay here, stay here. Um, so was he reasonably still, reasonably heavy here? Okay, still a little bit of weight there. And actually, if somebody else comes in and needs a stretcher, I'm still kind of short here because actually we're still going to have a bit of a weight. So have I got any um, connect leaders here? Any connect um, group leaders? Put your hands up, wave at me, Karen. Um, yeah, Rich, if you could just come up here. Um, Jane, Jane, come up. Simon, you're up. Okay, we're just... So I've got any, anyone on the stewarding team? Stewarding team, if I can have a couple from stewarding team, beautiful, just stewarding team come up. Um, cafe team, anyone that serves tea and coffee downstairs on the cafe? Right, okay. So now, if we can just all gather around Mike here. This is beautiful. If you can all squeeze in. Right, try not to throw him in the air in your exuberance of trying to lift him because he's so light. Are ready? Ready? One, two, three, and lift. Right, can we lift him higher? Okay. Beautiful. Okay, you can put him down now. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Thank you, volunteers. You can all take your seats. We give them a warm welcome. Thank you, Mike. Here's the principle. Together we are stronger. We need each other. If you notice, the more there was lifting, the higher they could take him. And that's the same with pastoral. The more we have getting involved, it's everybody's responsibility. Everybody has a gift. We can all encourage. We can all support and get alongside someone. We can all cry when someone cries. We can laugh with them when they laugh. Um, it's really interesting with pastoral. When... I think sometimes people understand and think, um, well, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. I'm not spiritual enough. I, perhaps I'm not close enough to God myself and that. Jesus never asked you to be the answer. He's not asked you to be the healer. He's just asked you to bring the people to him. And sometimes that part of our pastoral thing is just picking people up and taking them to the feet of Jesus, bringing them back to them, reminding them of who Jesus is or what Jesus does for them. And so that's just a quick illustration of how important being part of a team and pastoral care together is. Over to Aaron. So church is often full of different phrases, you know, when we talk about pastoral care. You know, if you're actually just to try the straight word for it, you think, is that, is that the strategy by which we care for the pastor? Uh, wouldn't that be a great message where I get up today and tell you how you can care for me? So it doesn't quite make sense, you know, and it, but it's not that. When we talk about pastoral care, we're not talking about how you can care for me better. I will take that uh, any day of the week. But, you know, it's more to that, you know, it, it's, does it mean how the pastor cares for me? You know, and sometimes we have a view that, Aaron, no, that's your job. You know, your job is to pastor my needs. Just look around, by the way, just work out the math. You know, the reason why we showed you many hands make light work while we are stronger together, because I personally am physically not able to pastor every one of your needs. And there are good reasons for that. I'm not a person who says I'm not a pastor. I am a pastor. I have a heart. You'll know I'll be in your life in your darkest day. I will be there. The truth is, as one person, we cannot do it for everyone. 
You know, and, and so church is about a community. You know, I find it fascinating in the Bible that the word pastor, right? By the way, if you can just be a good check here, it's actually mentioned 12 times in the New Testament, appointment is pastor, right? Jesus has got 11 of those. All right, so, you know, because it comes from the word shepherd. It actually comes from the word overseer. There's only one where it refers to the role of leadership and pastoral. It's only one in Bible, and yet we've made, particularly in our movement, that the only way you can serve a church is to be a pastor, which is slightly odd in that because actually when you look at another word in the Bible, um, which is, you know, it says love one another, that is mentioned hundreds of times in the New Testament. Another is the Greek for reciprocal relationship where one benefits the other. Actually, what Jesus did, he didn't design a leadership structure where one man looks after the need of everybody. He actually said, I am designing a community by which you look after one to another. Love one another. Forgive one another. Bear one another. Serve one another. You know, prefer one another. And you want to take all of those one another's and actually say, so what we're designing here for our vision in finding freedom is it is the responsibility of the whole church for pastoral care. So whose responsibility is it for pastoral care here? It's yours. If I say mine, you'll get confused with the principle, don't I? But I'm part of yours. I'm just as much part of this church as you are. We carry people to Jesus. We talked about this in the car in Planning Free. What's the difference between pastoral care and counseling? I don't want to kind of pull a whole deck, but one of our goals here is when we meet together to help you, our simple goal is we want to take you to Jesus. You know, and I think, I wonder if our effectiveness in what pastoral care actually is, is because maybe we've left Jesus out of the room. We are spiritual within a community. When we're talking about whatever it is you're going for, you do need that human touch. You do need somebody who just cares for you and connects with you and empathizes you and sits with you and drinks coffee. We need all of that. That is an essential part of the framework and what we're building as a church. But you know what you need more than all of those things? You need Jesus. And I can testify, it doesn't matter what black hole you, you get into or however dark your hole is, if you put Jesus into that hole, that light will shine in that hole. I have lived it. I have proved it. It is what I testify to, as have you. And so let's not get drawn into when people come to us for help. Say, right, I will help you on the basis that I will leave the transformation driver in me behind. I will leave the light of the world out of the room. You know, those guys who picked that man up, they took him to Jesus. They saw the mission is, you know, imagine your neighbor comes up and says, this is going to be my life. It's just like, actually, you need Jesus, but I'm going to help you and talk with you. I'm going to take you to Jesus. There's a song that was in the charts a few years ago called Take Me to Church. It's got nothing to do with churches. We understand it, by the way. But I do understand that we should get a vision to taking people to church. Not because they want to take them to a great service. Service has never changed anyone, but the name of Jesus does. Let's get people to Jesus. Let, it, let us... Play our part. I'm going, actually, I'm going to carry my colleague at work. I'm going to carry my family member to Jesus. Prayer is part of carrying people to Jesus. That guy on there would have had to say, that's fine, you can take me. You know, I, I, you know and Jesus seeing their faith, right? Not hard, really, is it? If I, if, if I saw somebody open the roof right now because they couldn't get in, I would go, gee, you've got faith. Head of maintenance might see it from a different angle, you know. But, but you understand, Jesus sees these four guys, if there were four on each corner, 
pushed through the crowd, right at the side, got on the roof, dismantled the roof, lowered him down, did everything they could except the last bit, which was forgive his sins and allow healing to take place. Do everything you can to get people to Jesus. I want to finish with this if I can. We have an NHS in this country. Put your hand up if you work for the NHS. It's nothing to be ashamed of. We want to honor you and your service that you do. You know, we are incredibly privileged in this nation to have an NHS. It doesn't matter what the media says about it. It doesn't matter the reality of the toughness in that role. We are blessed to have it. We really are that we can walk in. When you've traveled into third world developing nations, you know, in the Philippines, I've seen this. You know, and generally when I went to the Philippines in the hospital, the family carried the burden of both the care and the finance to do that. I saw a lady with twins. You know, and she got sick during the birth of those twins, and she was having to sell one of her twins to pay for her own care so she could go home, wasn't allowed to leave the hospital to that. That is the reality. Right? You do not have that in this country. So when we read the Daily Mail and, you know, or whatever papers that really gets on that, that right wing level, we need to understand that there was a blessing in this. So I want to honor you if you do work in those services. But their systems of it, they have intensive care. If you've ever known someone, when it gets critical, life and death, there's an intensive care unit that we can find ourselves in or our families. There's specialists. Some of you right now might be seeing a consultant because they've got specialist knowledge and information in a certain area. We've got A&E, a triage department, which where you'll go in and you'll get assessed and there'll be a diagnosis of what the problem is so we can forward you on to the right care. There's a general medical practice. You can go and see a GP who looks at the wide aspect of your health and can work it out. You have family, you know, who understand when your health is. You know, if you ever get sick, your family, the first point of call, they will kind of go and get sort of, whether it's paracetamol, what it is, they'll, they'll cook chicken soup, you know, or, or however what it is. But also, I don't know if you know this, but you also have a response responsibility for your own health. There, there are things that you can do that improve your health, you know, and, and in this country, we have the whole layer. And what I say as a church, we have the whole layer of system too. So number, first and foremost, I want to say your responsibilities for your freedom, for your spiritual health. If you are struggling with God, take responsibility, first and foremost. If other people cannot bring you to Jesus, if you do not want to come, if you're facing something right now, don't stick your head in the sand like an ostrich. Don't look the other way. If there's an addiction that you've got, you know, if there's a thought process, say, I need to get to Jesus. First of all, take a responsibility. Deal with it. Bring to Jesus. Jesus is not going to judge you. He's just going to say, look, I know. I want to unclip for that's been holding you back for many years. Some of you are in that place right now, and you need to take a decision to get to Jesus today. How long are you going to run from God? Come on, do it. This is a safe community. Secondly, there's a family around you. You don't know this but there's a family of people sat around you who will help you and champion you and encourage you and support you to get to Jesus, you know. This is not a church when if you, if you ever did get into a confidential relationship and shared this deep secret within you, it's not a church when people are going to look at you and go, oh my gosh, just going to have to tell Aaron about that, just going to have to not show you be able to come anymore. You know, this is not that type of church. Do you know what? I, I think confession is rewarded because God says right freedom can come. You know, we have a family and a loving family. If somebody tells that that deepest secret, your goal is how can I help you get to Jesus? Don't panic. We have connect groups that's responsible for your general care. If you're not part of it, you know, that connect group will help support you for some really tough times. You have to go to hospital. You know who's going to be cooking your meals? Your connect group. They do do that. They already do that. 
We have that when things happen, connect groups just go, they swoop in, they pick up, they're practically, they're there, they're already doing that in this church. I have story after story every week of doing that. We have a pastoral care team who are split up there who come in, specialists, they know, we've trained them, we honor them, we release them. And then we have super, the, the leaders who do everything and know everything. That's not true, by the way. So just to let you know, um, well, you know, leadership for us is this. When an issue comes in that we know is quite big, this is the, what we say. Who's the best person to go the lungs outside that person? Maybe me, maybe Rachel, maybe Gareth, maybe Hannah, maybe somebody else. But we ask the question, who's the best person? Because our heart is to help you find freedom in that. And so pastoral care happens in multiphones, and our small groups is a place to connect, it's a place to protect, and it's a place to grow. You're not part of a small group, join today. You can pick up a card, say, I want to be part of a very safe, loving, supporting family. So this is the reality of pastoral care, and I'm going to land here. It's the worst bit. Who likes adventures? Right, good. Because adventures are not easy. The adventure into pastoral care as a pastor is an absolute nightmare, all right? Just to let you know what you're going into, but I want to draw the adventure because I'm going to speak to a calling. Some of you have this calling to go and help people, right? And I'm going to draw into that adventure right now. Did you know that if you want to help people find freedom, it is tough? It raises all sorts of awkward, difficult, challenging questions. You might be sat in a room of somebody said, I have lost my child. You're going to sit in that place and go, God, I don't know what to say. But God says, I will help you. I will give you the words. The incredible thing, if you know Jesus, you will find he gives you what you need to go to say, look, I'm with you. It's challenging. You know, if you've enter, entered a room and, you know, if you've ever been in hospital, there are certain smells and aromas that are not nice. But that is the reality of pastoral care, by the way. Sometimes you discover things. But here's the thing. It's not about your need. I'm prepared to roll up my sleeves and pick you up. That's what Jesus would do. Jesus stood across the road and touched a leper. You know, lepers have things that fall off them. You understand? Nobody touched them. They smelt because, by the way, if you've ever smelt decaying flesh, it's not a, it's not a nice smell. Right? And, and it's horrible that Jesus leads and says, be healed. I love that about Jesus. It's relentless. By the way, it is every week. It never ends. There's somebody coming in and going, I need help. It is relentless. It is risky. But you know what? If you mess up pastoral care, you can mess up the relationship. That's how high risk, that's how value is. I want you to understand that. You know, it's, just a, it's such a responsibility to say, I, I, I'm just going to position myself in your life and to, how to tackle an issue and to keep a relationship is really tough to do. It's demanding. It's emotional. It pushes you to your limits. And this is why Rachel says, you know, I can't do this. And there's a lot of people who say this. But this is what we've done. We're just ordinary people who serve on teams. God loves ordinary people. Why? Because we serve an extraordinary God. Never you found it's in your ordinariness that helps people meet an extraordinary God. Have you ever found that? I don't have a Superman t-shirt under my shirt that I just go, I'm a super pastor. I am not a super pastor. I'm a great pastor. Because that's what Jesus thinks about me. You understand? So don't, you know, I don't have a magic wand in in my cupboard or anything like that. I just have Jesus. Come to see me. I'm just going to give you Jesus. Help you. You know, I'll cry with you. You know, 
I walk that journey, but this is how we do it as a church. I remember going through a really tough time. My dad's passed away. He was a pastor. And um, I remember ringing my mum and talking through some challenging things that I was going through. My you know, mum's really maternal and really kind of struggling with and, and talking to my dad. And, and my dad said to my mum, he says, Steph, he says, you can't buy experience. One thing I have learned in being a pastor is all I need, I don't need experience, I need God. And the more times I just put myself in that room, I've seen Jesus doing incredible things. So in this church, there have been people I have sat with and watched their last breath. I've held their hand into eternity. You know, for me, that's an honor. It's an absolute privilege to be there to speak peace. I've seen families who do not know where to go around that time because nobody ever trains you for moments like that. I know that God is able to prepare you and place you in those moments. Church, I don't want a tidy service every week. I want a people who understand that there is freedom in the name of Jesus. It's not just in a great preach, but it's in those dark times. Freedom looks really strange. It can be helping tidy your neighbor's flat. Because they've got such a dark place, they've just lost control of the tiredness and they're in a depressed, dark place. And they're looking for someone to go and bring light by opening the curtains, cleaning the sink, by putting their cupboard with food in. Do you know, simple things like that change lives. When people ask you, why do you do this? The answer is, You could claim it's because you're a great person or a good person, but really you're doing it because you love Jesus. That's a community I want to build. That's a community I want to be a part of. I'm going to pray if I can. I want you to close your eyes. I want to invite you to pray a prayer to simply this, make me more like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Pastor all care is the responsibility of the whole church. And if you want to be part of that vision, you personally say, then just say, God, would you help me right now? God, fill me with your love. Fill me with your compassion. Passion and pain. Same word. Draw me to people in my world I may help and serve and be part of their freedom in finding Jesus. Guide me, my life is yours. Allow me to grow a sensitivity of heart. Allow me to position myself. Allow me not to walk on by business, push through the crowd, to climb those steps open the roof of people looking for pause in this moment everybody I just want to do something very key if you don't know Jesus and I've spoken things out today and there is a drawing of God for you to close that gap between you and God if there's anything that you're struggling with you know is a problem want to bring that to God, if you want to say yes to Jesus, to enter this journey of living as a Christian, while everybody else has just quietly got their eyes closed and their heads bowed, 
I just want you to make a sign to God is to say, yes, I need you to pray for me right now because I want to give my life to Jesus or I want to give this issue to Jesus. If it's one or the other, just slip your hand up so I can just see and pray for you right now. I believe Jesus is in the room. Put your hand up. Anyone wants to do that? Thank you. sick in your body right now, just put your hand up to Jesus. Might as well do this. Jesus is here. He wants to heal you. Body's right. Great. Fantastic. Come on. Great. Now there's people just putting their hands up saying, I need a touch from God. I think you're just quietly praying. Pray for those people. You don't know who they are. You don't know who these hands are. It does not matter, but Jesus does. Start to pray. Fill this place with your spirit of healing right now. Those who are sick in their bodies, Jesus, you will touch. Those who are feeling slightly distant, you will bring closer right now. Forgive every one of their sins. Fill them with your life. Fill them with your hope. Set them free. Amen. Amen. Amen.